Welcome back to Sister Ellie Cat's Tea, where we talk about all things church related. And guys, we are on a roll. We just finished with Amos talking about the judgment of God to the people of Israel and the surrounding nations. And then God has led us over to first and second Timothy. Listen, first and second Timothy. Now, what do you think God has to say to us here after he let us know that he is judging us? So what do you think next? In Amos, all God wanted the people to do was to seek him so that they may live. And now that we're in Timothy, I think the Lord wants us to return back to our first love. Now, after hearing the word of the Lord, you know, when we went over the book of Timothy, we compare the prophetic word found there to the life we live here today, which I believe God spoke to us. Now I believe God is speaking that we return to our first love. Yes, our first love that we turn away from false doctrine, from fables, and from empty sacrifices. Now here in the letters written in Timothy, we will be reminded of who we are in God and how we are to conduct ourselves as the children and leaders of God. Now remember, God told the children of Israel to seek him and live. Basically, turn away from your sins and judgment will pass you over just as the destroyer did in the days of the great exodus. Now in 1 Timothy, the scripture starts with leadership. Can you imagine the scripture is starting with leadership? Why? Why do you think that the scripture is starting uh, with leadership? Well, if the head is sick, then the body is sick. If there's something wrong with the head, most definitely there will be something wrong with the body. So to be, uh, have effective leaders, they, you know, you have to live, command, and teach the perfect will of God. So now let's open our hearts and hear what the Spirit is speaking unto the church, what the Spirit is speaking unto us on today. Now, the books of First and Second Timothy and also Titus are called the pastoral epistles. And we find that Paul the Apostle is uh, considered the author of First and Second Timothy. And the theme is leadership, sound doctrine, and godliness. Now remember, we're only doing a summary. We're only, only doing a synopsis of First and Second Timothy to kind of get the juices flowing so you can go and dig deep into the scripture and actually hear what the word of God is speaking to you and I as individuals. Now, these are the pastoral epistles, and it is desert. This word, the pastoral epistles, or this title, the pastoral epistles, or epistles, is the desert because the T is silent. Remember that when you say epistles, the T is silent. But pastoral epistles is the designation given to the two letters Paul wrote to Timothy 
and the one written to Titus. These letters are concerning the pastoral care of the churches. Now, Paul had commissioned Timothy as his apostolic representative to minister in Ephesus and Titus to do the same at Crete. Now, Paul wrote his first letter to Timothy from Macedonia. And then after a while, after, you know, his ministry, you know, Paul began to become a prisoner of Rome again. And during this time is when he wrote the second letter to Timothy. Now, this is shortly before his martyrdom, before his death. Paul was put to death. Therefore, these letters are among the last things that Paul wrote. Basically, Paul was passing the torch to the younger generation. Yes, Paul was up in age and no doubt from the multiple beatings and, and, and things of that nature that Paul endured, uh, no doubt his body was broken and crippled because of what he endured over his journey. And now he's just passing the torch to the younger generation so they can continue in the faith and to continue to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now the epistles are highly personal. They're practical and unsystematic in nature. They basically deal with matters of the church. Now Paul had taken Timothy on as a promising protege. Paul became like a spiritual father, in other words, by referring to Timothy as his son in the faith. Timothy became Paul's most trustworthy fellow laborer in the gospel. Timothy was Paul's faithful representative and messenger. Now, Timothy may have been by nature somewhat passive, timid, reserved and easily intimidated and this is why when Paul wrote the first letter to Timothy he was pushing and pressing him into action into the call wherewith God had called him you know kind of and in so many words we like to say to put on your big girl or your big boy panties and go forth in the gospel can I can I say panties on my podcast Yes, I can say panties. Why? Because it is my podcast. (laughs) So Paul was pressing Timothy to go forward and do the work that God had called him to do. Now, Paul did not want anything, including Timothy's youth, to stand in the way of of his performance of duty. Like a good soldier, Paul encouraged Timothy to fight a good fight aggressively protecting the gospel and using the full range of his gifts. Now, let me tell you, I can feel the Holy Spirit right there. We have to aggressively protect the word of God. We have to aggressively protect the things of God and the ways of God when the enemy tries to uh, steal it away or tries to attack the people of God and try to deceive the people of God. We have to aggressively fight in this fight to protect the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul appeared to have three major purposes in the books of Timothy. And first of all, to encourage Timothy to preserve or to protect the truth which is the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, and the body of the teaching of Jesus Christ. So 
Paul is encouraging Timothy to protect the truth. As we will find out later, there's some false uh, truths or fables going around. So Paul is encouraging Timothy to protect the truth. Paul came to advise Timothy on instructing others how to live as part of God's household of faith. So Timothy was a leader in the church here at Ephesus. And um, Paul was instructing him how to, um, uh, what was uh, teaching him or advising him, if you will, on how to instruct others how to live for God. And Paul was also commanding Timothy to oppose heresies that were attacking the faith of God. So in other words, Paul is, is, is here to encourage Timothy to actually walk in his calling to protect the gospel of Jesus Christ, to teach others, to instruct others how to live in the gospel of Jesus Christ and to oppose anybody that comes up against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, this is what Paul has come to encourage Timothy in the book of 1 Timothy. And we're going to start in the first chapter. Now, Paul opened the letter with his standard greeting of grace, mercy, and peace. Even though the epistle was addressed to Timothy, it was meant to be read out loud to the congregations at Ephesus and beyond. And here we are today. We can read the exact letters that Paul wrote to Timothy to encourage us to to instruct us of how we are supposed to conduct ourselves in in the gospel of Jesus Christ or as Christians or as believers as we call ourselves today. Now, since God has told us back in the book of Amos that he was uh, judging us, judging the nations, and he all, all God really wants us to do is turn from our sin, turn from our wicked ways and follow him. That's, that's what repent means. Repent means to turn and go in a different direction. Turn from wickedness in this case and follow after God. Follow good. So it is um, is amazing or it's exciting for us to come right over to Timothy to learn how we are supposed to do this. To learn how we are supposed to uh, uh, carry ourselves because listen the, the judgment starts at the church of God the judgment starts in the house of God and many of us as Christians as believers have turned away from the true doctrine the Bible says here in Timothy that there were false teachers going on going about you know first things first Paul urged Timothy let's let's let me slow down just a little bit. Paul urged Timothy to stay at Ephesus to silence certain men in the congregation who were teaching false doctrine. They were teaching things that they knew not about. Doctrines different from what Paul had taught them, and which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me let me give you a, just a tidbit about Ephesus. Ephesus was a uh, very wicked place. Uh, it was... Um, a place that, um, let's see, how do I want to say it? How occultism 
was growing or occultism was being taught in Ephesus. And there's many uh, myths and fables and, and false doctrines that were going about at Ephesus. So Paul is encouraging or urging Timothy, you know, to, to silence these men because they're teaching false doctrines. Paul exhorted Timothy to confront them boldly, not sheeply, but boldly. And do not compromise with these false teachers. When when you have someone that's um, uh, teaching a, the false, uh, a false doctrine other than that which is taught according to Jesus Christ, you know, we have to um, come up against that. We have to confront it boldly. We can't compromise with that. And better yet, if we can, we just want to stay away from that because of the controversies that will arise from it uh, because of the, the um, um, let's see, I guess the anger that can arise from it, the the bitterness that can arise from it. So Paul here, but however, this is the church and Paul is exhorting Timothy to confront these church members, these church people, confront them boldly. Do not compromise with these false teachings. Charge them to teach no other doctrine than what they have received. In other words, do not add or take away from the original doctrine of faith taught by Jesus Christ and the apostles. So we cannot add or take away from. We have to teach and preach what the Bible in our day and our time, what the Bible actually tells us. We can't add on to it or we can't take away from it. We have to teach exactly what it says. We can go to Galatians uh, chapter 1 verse 8 and listen what the word of God tells us in Galatians it says but that but though we but though we listen but though we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you let him be accursed. In other words, let him be doomed. Let him be under a curse. So, the word of God is saying, if we the apostles are an angel, if an angel from heaven teach you anything other than what we have preached to you, let that angel be doomed. Let that angel be under a curse. Let that individual be accursed. So that lets us know how important it is to teach the truth, to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ and do not add or take away from that gospel. Now, these teachers were following after fables and long involved genealogies. These teachers were empty and of any spiritual value and led to speculations, questions, and arguments. In other words, it promoted controversies rather than the work of God. So when you go about, you know, teaching things that are not of God or not of the original gospels, all it's going to do is promote controversy. 
And what then? The work of God is not going forth because you're too busy arguing and then you're too busy having questions and too busy speculating on uh, what you may think the word of God uh, is saying and, and, you know, fables and things of that nature. So that's why it's very important that we don't promote controversies rather than the work of God. You know, the gospel is grasped and implemented by faith, not by human imagination. It's by faith. We have to get it by faith and implement it by faith, not by our imagination. Now, the goal of this command is love. The goal of the command that Paul is telling Timothy, you know, to come up against these false individuals, the goal is love. On the other end, it's love. Why? Because you don't want these individuals to uh, uh, be pawns of Satan, pawns of the devil, you know, taking people away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. The goal of this command is love and the purest kind of love. It flows from a pure heart, good conscience, and a sincere faith. Some have turned away from these and turned to meaningless talk. I mean, meaningless. It has no meaning. All these uh, controversies and, and, and speculations and, and uh, you know, things of that nature, <laughs> questions and arguments. It's meaningless talk. Their teachings were idle, useless, futile, and empty verbiage. Listen what Paul is telling Timothy. This kind of teaching is idle. It's useless. There is no reason for it. They desired, however, these individuals, they desire to be respected as teachers of the law. But listen at what Paul says. However, they did not know what they were talking about. And instead of recognizing their inadequacies, they continued babbling. <laughs> Just continue with idleness, with empty verbiage, as with great authority, pious, prideful. Just continue talking as though they knew what they were talking about and as though they had great authority. But they never understood the law. Or understood what they were talking about. This is what Paul is talking about these individuals. He wanted Timothy to stay at Ephesus so he can handle this situation that was going on in the church at Ephesus. Now can you relate that to anything that goes on in your church today? You know certain individuals they just uh, uh, um, saying much doing a lot of talking and, and talking nothing, just useless words, futile words, just babbling, just want to be somebody, want to be somebody in God, and they don't even know what they're talking about. They haven't even studied the scriptures for themselves. They don't even know the scripture. They just want to be somebody in God. Do you know anybody like that? Have you seen anybody in your church or in your vicinity, or anybody that professed to be uh, a believer of Jesus Christ, have you have you ever dealt with, or do you know? It could even be on social media. Do you know somebody like this, just babbling, 
as though they have great authority and they don't even understand what they're talking about. My God from Zion. Yeah, I, I've, I've dealt with some of those. Yes, I have. But the thing is, we have to pray for those. Now, we don't want to uh, start up an argument or, you know, make ha have any controversy going on and, and, and the work of God is being stifled. We don't want any, we, you know, we don't want to do that, but we want to pray for that individual that God opened their eyes and God uh, begins to deal with them so they can get in the word and they can study and they can know exactly what they're talking about. Amen, somebody. Amen. Now, Paul did not want to be misunderstood about this. He viewed the law as holy, righteous, and good. Now, we, we're talking about the Mosaic law, the law that Moses gave unto the people back in the Old Testament. That is what we're talking about when we say the law. Now, Paul did not want to be misunderstood about this because he viewed the law as holy, righteous, and good. And why he says that is because Jesus he didn't come to take away the law. We can read that in the, in the Gospels. Jesus did not come to take away the law, but he came to fulfill the law for us. So that now we live in grace. We live under grace. However, don't be misunderstood. The law is holy. It is righteous and it is good. Listen at what Paul is saying. The law is good if it is used properly. It is not made for the righteous. But it's made for lawbreakers, disobedient, ungodly, sinful, unholy, etc. People of that nature. Just like today, we live today and we have laws. We have laws. We have uh we have speeding laws. We have um, uh, civil laws. We have all types of laws that we have to live by. The law is good if it's used properly. The law is not for the righteous. Why did Paul say the law is not for the righteous? Well, if you're righteous, if you're doing good, then you have, you're not doing anything to break the law. You're not being a lawbreaker. You're not being disobedient or ungodly or sinful. You are walking in the law or you're walking in the righteousness of God. Therefore, the law is not for you. Why would the law be for you if you're doing everything right? In so many words, are you doing to the best of your ability? I put it like that. You're doing everything right to the best of your ability. That's why Paul said the law is good if it is used properly. It is not for, made for the righteous. The law is made for those who break the law. Why? Because if you break the law, then you have to stand before the judge. You have to be judged. And you have to be judged according to what the law states. Yes, it is for lawbreakers, disobedient, ungodly, sinful unholy people. Now Paul provides a list of examples that seem to be based on the Ten Commandments. Nevertheless, Paul concluded this inventory with, of sinners with an all-inclusive reference to any behavior 
that is contrary to sound doctrine. So anything that's contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ or contrary, as we like to say it today, to the word of God, contrary to the Bible, anything that or any behavior, I should say, any behavior that is contrary to the laws, the rules, the statutes, the codifications of God, which we can find in the Bible, is included in this inventory of sinners. Yes, this is what Paul is telling us today. <laughs> All of that is included in this inventory. Yes, you can put that there. You can put alcoholic there. Yes. You can put perversion there. Yes. Yeah. Murderer. Yes. Uh, you can murder with your mouth. Yeah. You don't have to take out a gun and shoot somebody. Or you don't have to take out a knife and kill somebody. Your mouth, your tongue can murder somebody. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to go on. Let's move on. Paul's experience of God's grace and mercy. Now, the list of sinners reminded Paul of the grace that was given to him for his deeds. The Lord called Paul to be his servant, his minister, despite the fact that Paul was a blasphemer. He uh, persecuted the church. He was a violent man. He was dragging Christians out of their homes to be persecuted. But regardless of all that, Jesus showed Paul mercy because he acted in ignorance and unbelief. Listen, Paul sincerely believed that he was serving God with all of his actions. We're persecuting the church, blaspheming the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God, dragging Christians out of their homes to be persecuted. Paul thought he was doing the right thing. And a lot of time, a lot of times we can be doing something very, very wrong uh, against God or against an individual or even against a, a, an idea, a, a law um, any of that, we can be doing things very, very wrong, but we believe in ourselves that what we are doing is right. And that's when God's mercy steps in. That's when Jesus shows us mercy because we acted in ignorance and we acted in unbelief. We knew not what we were doing. Yes, we were coming up against God, the ways of God, the things of God, the beliefs of God, the laws of God, his commandments, coming up against his commandments. But we were doing it in ignorance. And when we do it in ignorance, that's when Jesus or that's when God shows us mercy. Yes. He shows us mercy because we were ignorant to our devices. We were doing things that we thought we were doing the right thing. We thought we were, you know, 
hey, I, I'm going to do this because it is right, it's the right thing to do. And the whole while, it was the wrong thing to do. It was the wrong thing to do. It was wrong. Just wrong. But Jesus shows us mercy. And here, Paul just basically is thinking about how he was a sinner and the things that he did and how God showed him mercy. Now, let's be clear about this thing. Let's be clear. The scripture should suggest that willful disobedience will never receive God's mercy. Yes, let me say that again. The scripture suggests that willful disobedience will never receive God's mercy. So, let's put it this way. If you know that you are doing wrong and you do it willingly, you know that you are being disobedient and you do it willingly, you want to do it. There is no mercy for you. There's a scripture that comes to mind, and I really can't tell you where it's at at this moment, but there's a scripture comes to mind. It's in the New Testament. There's a scripture that comes to mind about if you if you you know it's sin, you and you continue to sin, and you continue to do this sin. And you know that it is sin. The Bible says there is no repentance for you. You you cannot repent for it. And it's the same thing. You know it's wrong and you continue to do it. There is no mercy for you. You know you're doing wrong and you're doing it. God is not going to have mercy on you. You can forget that. And you continue to walk in your sin. You continue to harm somebody. You continue to hurt their feelings. You continue to blaspheme their name. You can continue to scandalize their name, to slander their name. You continue to work witchcraft. You continue to do these things and you know it's wrong. God is not going to have mercy on you. Now listen, Paul's life was a pattern of how God will have patient mercy for those who will believe in Christ and receive eternal life. In other words, he will wait for you. God will wait for you. The Bible, it says patient mercy. God will wait for you. Yes, he will. Uh, especially when he know that in what you do, you're doing it in ignorance. You don't understand that what you're doing, you're doing it against his holy name, against his will, against his people. When he knows, God knows us. He knows what is on the inside of us. He knows our heart. He knows what kind of person we are. Why? Because he made us. He made us from the dust of the earth we are made by God so he knows everything about us the scripture in the gospels tell us that God knows the very number of hairs that are on our head he knows how many hairs that I have on my head I can't count the hairs on my head I would never try to count the hairs on my head but listen God knows 
the number of hairs that are on my head. So he knows us. He knows us and listen, he will wait for us. He will wait for you. He will wait for you to get it together. Now listen, he's going to be talking to you the whole time. So you got to be a conscious of what's going on in in your life. In uh, the spiritual realm, a majority of the time he's speaking through to us through dreams or visions or he's speaking through uh, uh, to us through other individuals, other people. He's using somebody to speak to us to say, listen, the things that you are doing are wrong or listen, I am waiting for you. I want you to do my will. God will speak to us. And I also want you to hear me, hear me clearly that there is a set time. There is a set time for us to turn, repent from our wicked ways and turn unto God. There's a set time. So we do not want to, let's say, go over that time frame. We don't want to find ourselves being judged because uh, we refuse to turn away from God. We don't want to find ourselves in um, basically in hell. We don't want to find ourselves in the lake of fire. We don't want to find ourselves being burnt because we heard the word of God. We heard the voice of God. We saw the visions, the dreams. We saw all of that. We understood that it was God speaking, but we still wanted to do what we wanted to do. So we don't want to be caught up in that. We want to uh, uh, turn and follow after God. Basically, we want to get saved in so many words. We want to be a believer and live for him. Because listen, let me tell you, God is waiting for you. God is waiting for you. I'm going to say that again. God is waiting for you. Don't disappoint him. Don't uh, continue in the way that you're going. And you know without a shadow of a doubt, you know that God is calling you. You know that God is speaking to you. You know it. But you like to have it. So you want it. You want it your way. You want to do it your way. But listen. God is waiting for you. He knows you. Don't let that time pass you by. Remember we are in a time of judgment. It is time for us to turn from our wicked ways. And turn unto God. Jesus is soon to come. And that's why we are here in Timothy today. That's why we were in Amos. And now we are here in Timothy. Learning how we are supposed to live for God. The things that we are supposed. It's like we're going back to the drawing board. We're going back to that first love. We're going back to the beginning. As though we as Christians. Or we as people of God. Or we as believers in God. As though we do not know. 
uh, how it all began in our lives, how we began to know Jesus, how it began. That first love when we really loved God and when we prayed and we read our word and all we wanted was God day and night. We was God in the morning, God at noonday, God at night. That's all we knew. But now Gone are the days. Gone are those days. Listen to me. Gone are those days. Gone are those days. It's all about vain sacrifices. Going to church. We um, uh, programs, 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 programs. When have you heard? Last heard a. Uh, uh, I heard someone ask these questions. When were the last time you heard a, a um, someone preach <laughs> about deliverance? When was the last time you heard somebody preach about um, uh, the unseen realm, the spiritual realm, the things of God, what goes on in that spiritual realm? When was the last time or have you ever heard somebody preach about angels and demons and how the devil affects our life, how he comes in with deception and deceit and how the wiles of the devil. Have you heard somebody preach about the wiles of the devil and how we are to keep ourselves in this day? Have you heard somebody or have you, or when was the last time, if you have heard it, when was the last time you've heard that? When gone are those days gone, they are gone, and that's why we're here in Timothy. That's why we're here in Timothy, so we can remember, so we can, uh, God is stirring up our remembrance of, of what it once was our first love when we first came to God, what we, how we, um, conducted ourselves when we first came to God and we finna get down into this listen here Christ considered Paul faithful he strengthened him and appointed him to service Jesus showed Paul mercy he poured out grace faith and love on him and displayed unlimited patience towards him Jesus was patient he waited on Paul Listen, this man persecuted the church. He killed them. He stood with the cults of the individuals who stoned Stephen to death. Paul was the man who kept their cults while they went out and stoned him to death. They killed him. His name was Saul at that time. This is that same one. He, he, he persecuted the church. So what in the world can you have done where God would not show you mercy? What can it be that you have done where God will not show you mercy? That's a question. That's a question that I want you to ask yourself. Yeah. Jesus had unlimited patience towards Paul. Why? Because he was ignorant in what he was doing. 
Now, let's get back to Paul's charge to Timothy. Now, after Paul's brief throwback moment, if you will, Paul got back to the matters at hand. Paul reminds Timothy to use the resources, use the gifts he was given in God. It is his responsibility to promote love, not controversy. Paul reverted back to the instructions stating he gave them according to the prophecies made earlier over Timothy. The, 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 the elders laid hands on Timothy and prophesied on him. Thus he has the gifts. They stirred up the gift that was on the inside of Timothy given by the Holy Spirit, given by God. So the elders laid hands upon him and stirred up those gifts. And so Paul is reverting back. His instructions are going back to the time according to the prophecies. The prophecies where they prophesied over Timothy and said this about Timothy and that about Timothy. God, Paul is reminding Timothy of these things. The prophecies concerning Timothy's call and his fitness for service. And they were given to encourage him to fight. Yes, the elders laid hands on Timothy and prophesied over him. Now, these prophecies reinforced Paul's conviction that Timothy was a fit soldier to handle a battle against the errors at the Ephesian church. So Timothy, he, he had what he needed to take care of the situation. So Paul is just encouraging him, you know, to handle that business, to handle it, to shut it down, to silence those false teachers. Why? Because he was prophesied over and he's fit. Timothy is right for the job. Timothy was to remember the prophecies as he and be inspired by them to hold on to faith. And a good conscience. Why? Because basically, well, let's let's put it this way. Basically, Paul exhorts Timothy to remain faithful to the prophetic utterance that was given over his life. As a spiritual leader of the church in Ephesus, Timothy must remain loyal to true to the true apostolic faith. Listen, he must remain loyal to the true apostolic faith and fight against the false doctrines creeping into the church. So there were many false doctrines creeping into the church at this time. So Timothy had to fight against that and stay true to the faith. Now this warfare of faith is a serious battle. Yes, it is. It's serious, it's serious business as illustrated. And then Paul began to uh, name two people Hymenaeus and Alexander, they refused to listen to their own conscience. They refused. They listened to the fables. Thus, they shattered their faith. Paul handed them over to Satan, which most likely means they were cast out of the church as a part of church discipline, thus exposing them to destructive satanic attacks. Yes. They got kicked out of the church because they begin to heed to fables and false doctrines. 
Yeah, they didn't stay a conscience of the true faith in God. And in order to, to keep the church on the right path, most likely Paul had to kick these two individuals out of the church. Because what they were stirring up controversy, they were stirring up uh, uh, um, questions and and things of that nature. You know, getting people confused in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Confusion and God is not the author of confusion. So, in order to get rid of that confusion, and if these individuals do not turn from their wicked ways, Paul threw them out of the church. Basically, they they got thrown out of the church in so many words. And you know, I remember a time. On my Christian journey, when an individual got thrown out of my church back in the day, I was I was young in the faith and I didn't know what was going on. But, yeah, I see this scripture today and I'm like, OK, that's really what was going on. You know, I've seen the scripture before today. But what I'm saying is back then I was young in the faith and I didn't understand everything that was happening uh, in the in the spirit or in the church. And so, you know, as you grow over time in the word of God, you will learn some of the things of God and some of the ways of God and the, the conduct that should and should not be within the midst of the church. And that individual was uh, basically thrown out of the church because of the things that were done. Yes, that happened. I saw that happen with my own two eyes. At that time, I didn't understand. But now I understand because of the word of God, because of the scripture, and because you don't want others in the church to go down that same path. You do not want others in the church to think, well, that person is living how they want to live. That person is doing everything that they're big enough to do. That person is this, that, and the other. So if that person is doing it, you know, because people, a lot of times people look at the natural aspect of, of things and not the spiritual aspects of things. So people can look at the natural and say, well, the pastor didn't deal with them. Now I'd say deal quote unquote, the pastor didn't deal with them. So, hey, I know that they're doing this, that and the other. So I can do it, too. But listen, let me tell you, just because the pastor didn't deal with it, that does not mean that God does not see it. And that does not mean that God is not dealing with it. So when we go to church and when we live as uh, in Christianity, as we live as a believer, let me tell you, it does not matter what other people think. It does not matter what other people know. That does not matter. Why? Because God sees everything. God knows everything. And we are living our life for God. It is not for 
human beings. It is not for individuals. It is not for our pastor. It is not for our overseer. It is not for our brother and our sister in the church. It is not for our neighbor down the street. It is not for that. It is for God. Listen, let me tell you, God sees everything. Everything done in the dark will come to the light. That is scripture. You can find that in the gospels. Everything done in the dark will be exposed into the light. So let us not get carried away with that on that uh, aspect of life. That's why I say these individuals were thrown, thrown out of the church because uh, there are other souls that are um, that need to be cared for. There are other souls that need to be tend after. There are other sheep in the pasture, in the flock that the, the shepherd has to take care of. Listen, if you cannot, well, those individuals will not uh, hearken unto the word of God. If they, those individuals will not repent and turn from their wicked ways, listen, then they have to be thrown out of the church because, listen, they can plant seeds. They can sow seeds of of. All kind of seeds. I don't even want to go into breaking down what what kind of seeds, but they can sow seeds of division in the church. They can sow seeds of jealousy, things of that nature. So, hey, Paul had to throw him out of the church. Listen here, don't think it strange. Do not think it strange concerning these type of things. Why? Because. There's some souls that have to be saved. And if the individual refuses, if they are disobedient, if they're hard headed and they refuse to do the things of God, then yes, I agree that they should be thrown out of church there. And there you have it. First Timothy chapter one. We are done with first Timothy chapter one. Let's grab a a little bit of first Timothy chapter two, and we will be closing out for today. Now, first Timothy chapter two, Paul goes from false teachers directly into the conduct in the church. And first of all, he began with that, which is most important. And what is that prayer? Yes, Paul begins 2 Timothy with prayer. Now, we're going to get deep. We're going deeper. We're going deeper into this thing. Now, instructions concerning prayer. Paul gives a brief lesson, a very brief lesson on prayer, showing its importance in the church. Prayer must be made, first of all. That is the first thing that we need to do is pray. And we have to pray for the leading of the spirit. Pray for the leading of God in whatever we do for God. Our conduct, we have to pray that God shows us and tells us what to do. Now, Paul gives prayer four descriptive elements. First, requests, which are specific askings of God. That's when you are very specific when you go before God and ask him of things. These are requests. He spoke on prayers, which are just general talk with God. You're just having a conversation with God and that's what he loves. 
God loves us to have a conversation with him. He wants to talk to us. And, and, and that's what our prayers are. We are talking to God. We don't always be asking God, give me this, give me that, give me, give me, give me, give me. Give me, let me, and let me have. Prayer is not all that. Give me, let me, and let me have. Just have a conversation with God. God, I love you. Lord, the sky is so blue today and the clouds are crisp and 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 white, just like fine linen. The, the, the breeze today is, oh, it's lovely and cool. You know, just having a conversation because God is the one that does all these things. So we're just having a simple conversation with God. Oh, God, I'm so glad that you woke me up this morning. You know, I, I'm in my sound mind. I have the activities of my limbs. You know, I'm going to have myself a cup of coffee and, and a, um, a cinnamon roll or what have you for just, I thank you for the food that you placed on my table, for the nourishment of my body. Lord, I just give you all the praise. You are great and greatly to, you're having a conversation with God. Prayer. The number three is intercession. That's when you go in deep. You're going in deep in intercession. You're seeking something from God and you can seek something from God for yourself or in a session you're seeking something from God for someone else on someone else's behalf. You're interceding for that person. That is intercession. Now you can go deep for yourself as well, but intercession, you are seeking something from God for somebody else. So you're praying for your spouse. Your spouse could be sick and you're interceding for your spouse you're going in you're going deep you're you're just you're pleading and you're begging and you're 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 uh in so many words you're you're reminding god i mean you don't really have to plead and beg if you know the scripture you can remind god of what he said in his scripture you are reminding god you're speaking his word god you said You said, you said, God, you said, <laughs> yes. And you put the scripture there. God, you said that you are my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? God, you said, if I abide on the shadow of the almighty, if I, if I keep myself in a secret place, basically, I shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. God, you said you are my shepherd and I shall not want. Lord, I need some food on this table. I need to feed my kids. You said that you are my shepherd and I shall not want for anything. You are my provider. You are the source of my supply. God, you said Jesus was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised by my iniquities, the chastisement of my peace is upon him and by his stripes I am healed you said we are healed by the stripes of Jesus you said it God your word said it and listen let me tell you you can go to Psalms 103 read the whole thing Psalms 103 it tells you that the angels of God they hearken they hearken to the voice of the word of God so you're speaking the word of God 
you're using it, it's coming out of your mouth, your vo the voice of God, the voice of his word. His word says, fear not for I am with thee. Be not dismayed because I am your God. That, that is the word of God. When you speak the word of God, the angels of God, they have to move. I heard someone testify, I believe I read it. And it was saying that, you know, I don't know if I read it or I heard it on a video or something of that nature. And I heard and they said that the angels, the angels are, are, they saw it in a vision or something to that fact that the angels were sitting around bored. And I'm like, what? I mean, first of all, I had to understand what they were talking about. And it's like the angels are sitting around bored. And I guess the individual uh, maybe confronted God about it. You know, I see or confronted, you know, a pastor or something of that nature about it. And said, you know, I saw these angels sitting around bored. But then I guess what the, the response to their vision was because you're not praying. They don't move by you just moaning and groaning and saying, woe is me. They do not move. The angels do not move from, from, from that. We can cry. We can slobber. We can have tears and snot coming out of our nose. Listen here. That does not move God. Let me tell you. When you re repeat his word. When you repeat his word back to him, the scripture says the angels, they hearken unto the voice of his word. I'm getting excited about it. When you repeat his word back to him, the angels have to move. Now, when you don't, when you're not, you just boohooing and crying. Yeah, the angels no doubt are standing around just looking at you because they don't hearken to you crying snot. They hearken to you when you speak the word of God. And I know I've got way off course here. We're in Timothy. I am so far off course. But here, what else did Paul tell us about prayer? He said, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is adoration. It's praise. And it's thanks to God. Now, prayer is for everyone. Paul is letting us know prayer is for everyone. And there is a special noting for kings and all in authority, leaders of civil government, that we may live in peace. Listen, we have to pray for our leaders, the leaders of our countries, our nations. Let me tell you, we have to pray for these individuals. Why? Because we want to live in peace. You may not like the individual, but you need to pray for the decisions that they make. You have to pray for the laws that they're trying to bring into uh, fruition. You have to pray for these things. Why? Because you want to live in peace. You want to live a peaceful life in Jesus Christ here upon this earth. You know, Jesus has not came yet. He is soon to come, but while he tarry, we want to live in peace. So we have to pray for these individuals who are in government, the ones that are in authority, the ones that are making these rules and these regulations and these laws. We have to pray for these individuals that they make the right choice, that they hear the word of God when God is speaking to them, that they hear and they obey God or not even, and, and if we can just go straight for the juggler that these individuals come into salvation, that these individuals uh, begin to know God as their personal savior. 
if they are uh, uh, saved and sanctified and Holy Ghost filled and five baptized, then we don't have nothing to worry about because we know that they're going to do the right thing for the people, for the nation, for the government. We know that they're going to do the right thing and we will live in peace. But when these people do not know God, and let me tell you, that is a major area that Satan is infiltrating his government. That's one of his main uh, strategies is to infiltrate government. Why? Because they're the ones who make the laws and the rules and the statutes. They're the ones who do these things. They're the ones who say that abortion is okay when you're specifically killing babies. They're the ones who make those rules. So we have to pray for these individuals. And Paul is telling us here to pray for them. And we move on. Now, this mindset is good and acceptable in the sight of God. To have this mindset, God wishes that all men be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. And I say that all the time. God don't want nobody to uh, die and go to hell. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what kind of person you are, what kind of mindset you have. I don't care how deep you are in your sin. I don't care how deep you are in your wickedness. I don't care if you serve Lucifer himself. God is waiting for you. The scripture tells us that he does not wish that any man die basically and go to hell he said he wishes that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth that is what God wants everybody to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth listen he forgives he forgives Jesus Jesus died on the cross for our sins there is forgiveness of our sins now there are certain sins that we can't get forgiveness for and we talked about that in a previous teaching an unforgiveness forgiveness unforgiveness and that is blaspheming of the holy ghost blasphemy towards the holy ghost talking bad about the holy ghost do not ever 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 talk bad about the holy spirit why because you cannot be forgiven for that god will not forgive you For mocking the Holy Spirit. God will never forgive you for that. You might as well hang it up. You might as well say, hey, I'm going to hell. So I might as well live it up. Because I've mocked and I am mocking and I continue to mock the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to do what I want to do. Because I know when I lift up my eyes, when I die, I'm going to be burning in hell fire. That that's the mindset you want to have. But my Bible tells me God wishes that all men be saved. Regardless of what you have done. Regardless of what you are doing right now. God wishes that all men be saved. And come into the knowledge of the truth. What is truth? What is truth? The knowledge of the truth. The truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
He wants all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Here we see two aspects of the will of God for mankind. That's us. With regard to salvation. What is that? Two aspects. First of all, God wants everyone to be saved. And that is his perfect will. Perfect. That is God's perfect will. Look up perfect. I want you to look up perfect. That is God's perfect will. That everyone be saved. That's number one. Number two, God allows many, this is so sad, God allows many to refuse turning to Christ for salvation. God allows it. Why? Because God gives man a choice. God is not going to make you do anything that you don't choose to do. You have a choice to be saved. You have a choice to live for God. Just like you have a choice to do evil. You have a choice to be wicked. You have a choice to live for uh, a Lucifer. That is a choice that you made. Yeah, you made that choice. God allows many to refuse turning to Christ for salvation. Which is his permissive will. He tolerates it. That is not his perfect will. That is not what he wants. But he tolerates it. Why? Because he has given men a choice. He gives men a choice. He does not make us do nothing. We have a choice. We have life. One choice. And death. The other choice. Choose to live or choose to die. Life or death. Those are our choices. God's perfect will is that we have life. And that is salvation. He wants us to be saved. That's life. But then he allows us to choose death. Which is his permissive will. He tolerates it. He tolerates it. Listen, let me tell you. God didn't make hell for us. God originally, hell was not made for mankind. Listen to me. Hell was not made for us. It was made for Lucifer and the fallen angels. It was made for them. And demons. The Nephilim, but that's a whole nother teaching. It was not made for human beings. It was not made for mankind. But because, because of what has taken place over history, in the spiritual and in the natural, the things that have taken place, that's why when we die and we're not in God, we lift up our eyes in hell. You can go to the Gospels. And I'm going to let you look it up for yourself. And we're going to shut this down. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me, let me, let me say this first. Um, 
Okay, so we found out about the perfect will and the permissive will. Now, Paul continued to strengthen his argument by citing the commonly accepted teachings about God and his work in Christ. There is only one God. There is only one way for men to approach God. And that is through Jesus Christ. And Jesus gave himself. He to die on the cross as a payment for all of us. Listen what Paul is telling us. There is only one God. There is only one way for men, us, mankind, to approach God. And that is through Jesus Christ. And Jesus gave himself to die on the cross as a payment for us. As a ransom is how the King James Version reads. Jesus was a ransom for us. He was a payment for us. And we can go deep into that, but I'm not going deep into it about God, Jesus being a payment. Why did Jesus have to pay for us? <laughs> That's a whole nother teaching. But Jesus paid for us. He died on the cross and he paid for us. So we belong to him. When we give our life over to God, we belong to Jesus. The devil cannot have us. Jesus paid the price for us. He, he bought us. He purchased us. So Satan cannot have you. Lucifer cannot have you when you're on the Lord's side. Because Jesus already paid the price for you. Yes, he did. And I thank God that Jesus had enough mercy for us. That he left royalty. He left heaven. I like to say his royal self. He left heaven. He left royalty to come down on this earth in the likeness of man. In, in the midst of sinful flesh. He became a man like as we are. To go through the things that we go through on a daily basis. So he understands. Yeah, Jesus did that for us. And he died upon the cross. He made himself a curse for us. The Bible says curse is the one that hangs on a tree. Jesus became a curse for us. And that goes back to the law and things of that nature. But we're not going to get it. That's a whole nother teaching as well. But Jesus gave himself to die for us. Now, so remember... There's only one God. The only way you're going to get to God is through Jesus Christ. How a lot of people, they, they shove Jesus out of the way. But no, honey, you got to go through Jesus to get there. You just can't go directly to God. No, it, that is not how it works. And the scripture is telling us that here. You can't go directly to God and just overlook Jesus. No, it doesn't work like that. Remember, this is the Trinity. God the Father, Christ the Son. And the Holy Spirit. They're three in one. It's Trinity. And that is another teaching as well. But listen. Paul is bringing it out here. There is only one God. 
The only way to God is through Jesus Christ. The only way you can approach God is through Jesus Christ. And Jesus died upon the cross for our sins. He was a payment for us. Bless the Lord. And we are going to stop right there. When we come back, we're going to finish chapter 2 of 1 Timothy. And we're going to continue on to chapter 3. Now listen. Timothy, 1 Timothy has six chapters, and I believe 2 Timothy has four chapters. So it's going to be brief, but the information stored in these letters to Timothy are, are great information. And remember, I am only doing a synopsis. I'm only doing a summary of these uh, letters. So it behooves you. To go and read the details that are in these epistles. Epistles. <laughs> go and read the details. Go and see what Paul is telling Timothy. Uh, line by line. Precept by precept. And listen. Find the definitions. Get the definitions behind the words. Because there, there's a lot when you go and you look up the definition behind the words. And you will get a better understanding and you will learn what uh, more of what the scripture is actually saying beyond faith value. So I encourage you to do that on today. And I was going to tell you to go look up another scripture. But listen, I might just look that scripture up and tell you uh, or we might just even talk about it on next time on sister alley cat's tea so that way you don't have to look it up for yourself but it is a scripture uh concerning um the perfect will and the will permissive will of god now i may go back on the next episode and we may talk about that however I just want to say thank you for listening to Sister Alley Cat's Tea, where we talk about all things church related. I love you guys, and I will talk to you very, very soon. <laughs> love you. Goodbye.